And so I need to lay and we need to lay foundations for ourselves that are solid. And the only foundation that we will create that is solid is one that is birthed in who we are as individual, unique people. If we try and do anything else because some guru or influencer told us we had to, we've blown it and we will spend the rest of our life discontent with who we are. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fatherhood on Fire, where we celebrate fathers who inspire us, elevate the conversation, and encourage men embracing their role. I'm your host, Ryan Sullivan. Our guest today, Ryan Miller, brings the heat. He's a coach to high-performing business leaders and aspiring high performers. He's the founder of Fit Health and the executive pastor at For His Glory Community Church. With Ryan today, we talk about how he went from the edge of divorce to now practicing servant leadership at home being at the Las Vegas shooting in 2017 and the eighth of an inch that would have changed his family forever. Talk with Ryan about his company Fit Health and how it's saving families 30 to 40% over traditional health plans. We turn up the heat and talk about parenting for effort versus outcome and how Ryan models that in his life. This was an awesome conversation. Couldn't be more honored to have Ryan on Fatherhood on Fire with us today. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us today on Fatherhood on Fire. Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Tell us a a little bit about yourself and your family for some context. So I am a husband to a wife of uh, almost 19 years. I have two daughters that are 17 and 10 years old. So a nice little split between the two of them. Uh, I uh, run a coaching and consulting business, uh, working in sales, business development, executive leadership coaching, and things of that nature. And I'm also a pastor of a church. Yeah, so a full plate. And I know, so I got to listen to one of your recent uh, podcast episodes, The Excellence Mindset. You talked about servant leadership. And specifically what caught my attention was serving your spouse and serving your children. So I was like, all right, let's dive right into that. Um, <laughs> so do you mind sharing just like, what does that look like in your home? Oh man, that's a, that's such a loaded question. I'm good at those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, just to, just to give a little bit of context. So, you know, I've been married for, you know, almost uh, 18 years and when I came, uh, when I got married, my wife and I were just the best of friends. Uh, but we didn't really understand how to live in the roles of marriage. I didn't have a wonderful example growing up. My parents were divorced early. My mom remarried a couple of times. And so I didn't really know how to operate, you know, kind of in that environment. And about four years in, uh, we got into a really nasty place. And my wife and I, you know, our child was about three at the time and started fighting a lot, talking about divorce. Kind of as a last straw for us, uh, we decided to give church a shot. And Mm -hmm. that for us was really um, an eye-opening opportunity. It definitely took a while of us uh, really committing to faith and church. Um, But about a year in, we started to be taught what those roles really looked like. Um, You know, again, for us, it's really hard because, you know, at face value, when you hear things uh, like wives submitting to husbands, as the Bible would call them to, or husbands, um, you know, love your wife as Christ loved the church, like in the sacrificial way, it just sounds absolutely obnoxious. (laughs) And it took a long time of us uh, just kind of walking alongside other couples to understand what that really meant. 
And, you know, so today when I talk about servant leadership, for me, it's first based on the fact that I knew what it was to not live in those types of roles and in those types of environments. And, you know, I was, it was my way or no way, or I was just kind of brought up that way. And um, so today, you know, to, to lead is pretty clear, right? I mean, I am called to be the leader in my home and to do the best to guide my wife and my kids as I can and uh, to set good structure and ground rules. But all of that is predicated with the understanding that I'm called to serve my family as well. And so, you know, I try to do that the best way I can and, you know, always, you know, trying to lean in and understand where they're coming from and their hopes, their dreams. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not easy. And so it's just a day by day um, fight for us to try and, you know, get to that place. Yeah, absolutely. I know. So very new to, to fatherhood and serving my one and a half year old is probably a lot different than you know, serving teenager and almost a teenager but um, <laughs> I'm figuring out different ways to to do that as they go yeah you know so much of kind of what you we share and what attracted me to you is your authenticity and you know I'm striving to be authentic so like in your in your coaching uh, and and consulting business I was just curious like how much time you get to spend or if you do uh, with your clients um, talking about family and kind of balancing those ambitions? You know, it, it, it obviously it really depends, right? So um, people approach me to coach them because they either have a goal that they want to achieve or they have an obstacle or challenge that they're trying to overcome. Those are typically the generalizations of the two areas. And so for me, while um, I want to and will definitely help them accomplish whatever it is they're looking to, I bring them back to understanding um, foundationally who they are, right? Like uh, what makes them tick? Where are they strong? Um, wh what gets them out of bed every single day? And so when you start asking those questions, then oftentimes some sort of family dynamic will come into play. And so uh, that is where I will start to address a lot of that, right? Because Again, for me, it's just easy to relate to, you know, my own story, which is, you know, I was successful by the time I was and, and successful, like in my own mind, by the time I was 22, 23, making good money, six figures and um, owned a home, drove a Mercedes, like, you know, that was all great. But I was just grinding, working 14, 15, 16 hour days sometimes. And so I wasn't spending a lot of time at home with my wife and kids. And so reflecting on that. I now say, gosh, you know, what was that really for? And as a matter of fact, we went through a terrible financial ruin. And at one point, all that I had left was my wife and my kids. So um, I will oftentimes insert those experiences into people, you know, into conversations with people that I'm coaching, but I don't want to impress that upon them because I would say I live more on the extreme side, which is like my wife and kids are everything to me. I will drop everything. I will no longer be a pastor or a business owner or um, earn money. Um, I just, you know, I, I, that, that's my conviction. And so, you know, not everybody is going to live completely to that. And so I want to be as considerate as possible of, of who they are and what they want. That's interesting. Like you bring that you live to that extreme and it's, I feel very similarly convicted like, and have sometimes struggled with how to fit like other 
ambitions into my life. And this year, something I've been working on is I've been like decompartmentalizing my life. Yeah. Not necessarily combining all areas of my life, but just seeing my life more holistically. Like, do you have any advice on that specifically from uh, from that family aspect? Yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, it, it, it's going to come back to priority and, you know, what is it that you're really living for? What is it that you're really working for? So for me, and again, this, it, it's interesting because there's iterations to this over a period of time, right? So when I, um, when I almost got divorced, uh, there was this awakening of my mind and my heart to my wife and my ch- one child at the time. And so we, we learned and grew from that. And we went through another uh, really good kind of season of growth at like the 10 year mark of our marriage. And so, you know, all through those years, if you would have told me, you know, like, you know, there's going to be a day when you love your wife and kids more than you do right now, I would have said, absolutely not like they're everything to me. And then I had a personal, personally, a very unique experience, which my wife and I and five of our friends were in Las Vegas when the mass shooting took place. And, um, you know, during that experience, as, you know, bullets are ringing out, there was a moment when I had to decide whether or not I was going to protect my wife. And I jumped on top of her. And that sounds really valiant and, you know, really cool. And it wasn't, I was as scared as I could have ever been in my entire life. And yet I just, I was convicted that that was the thing to do. Uh And then five minutes later, as we got up and, you know, got to some shelter, I remember telling my wife that I loved her, basically telling her goodbye for the last time, because there was a chance that we weren't both going to be leaving. And so those are the things that ring around and rattle around in my head and my heart every single day, which is I, I, I actually practically could have lost my wife. I mean, as a matter of fact, my wife took a round of an ammunition, an eighth of an inch from her head that went through and through her hat. And so, you know, just an eighth of an inch in my life would have been different. And so like, how in the hell can I want to prioritize anything else that means very little when in reality, the only thing that means anything is my wife and my kids. And so that then is why practically I just, I, I put all that at the forefront. Like I will, I will always prioritize uh, as best as possible. Right. But uh, my wife's needs, my kids events, sporting events, school, and we try and create a balance there because I can't be everywhere all the time, but they know that if I have to miss something, that it's because I really have to miss it and not because I'm choosing something over them. Yeah, that's an incredibly powerful and horrifying story. I, I just can't help but appreciate how like candid and open you are. And like in leading up to this, I always ask like if there's anything we should should stay away from. And your response really struck me. Like you said, nothing. I'm an open book with many tarnished and torn pages, which is really unique language. Um, and, and what I'm finding and learning through, you know, fatherhood on fire journey is like the way that we as, as men and fathers are, are willing to share and like, you know, have that self-awareness really impacts how we can pour ourselves into others and, and allow others to love us. So like, can you just share a little bit like where you got that language from and you know, like how you kind of apply that humility to your own, to your own life and fatherhood experience? Yeah. So uh, don't let me mislead you to believe that, you know, I walk around as this humble human being, right? I mean, I have a a wicked, wicked battle internally with pride all the time. I, 
I, I would say that, you know, I have been gifted in just a couple of significant areas in my own life. So, you know, as the result of a near broken marriage and coming to faith, I had this new reality um, that I had to live within, which I had to be held to a higher standard and I needed to do things differently. And I was doing those things in light of what I was, right? So like I was, you know, one of those guys that, you know, was, uh, I wouldn't say like on an, uh, an everyday basis, but regularly looking at pornography and going to strip clubs with my buddies and out partying and doing drugs and flirting with other girls. And, and all the while my wife, you know, and, and not that my wife is some like perfect angel, but all the while my wife's at home taking care of my kid. And so again, reflecting back on those things and the fact that for us, like God saved my marriage, I, I need, need, need to just live in the reality of who I am today as the result of what happened to me in the past. And so those, those are reminders for me every single day. Like I am one stupid decision away from being right back where I was before. And so I can't afford that, number one. And then number two to like the present day, you know, what you would say is humility or, you know, being kind of this open book is we live in a society where we all have some sort of mask, right? And it's not that I bear every single thing every single day, but social media plays just this role in which we can be anything we want to be, even when we're not. And so I decided and committed to the fact that I am going to do the best that I can to be who I really am everywhere. So my social media channels are public, which is extremely dangerous, especially as a pastor of a church, because, you know, people are coming at you from all different angles. But every time that I've done that, every time that I've shared an honest story, the reality of like what I used to be or what I currently still struggle with from time to time, I've had feedback from other people telling me that that's helped them to step through some challenge that they're going through in life. So if I have to wear it, in order for somebody else to grow, then it, it's worth its weight in gold to me. That's that's awesome. It's something that I really struggle with. Like social media horrifies me. Um, starting a podcast was a big step, um, <laughs> and uh, and also incredibly liberating. Just creating an opportunity, to, like you said, like be myself um, in all places. So I I really want to talk more about like being the pastor of a church in addition to what seems to be a full-time consulting and prioritizing the family. And so like being so involved and so engaged in the traditional professional world and allowing to, to lead by faith um, at the same time. Okay. So again, when I say this, it's, it sounds super clean and super easy, and it's not that. So don't anybody listening believe that this is all together and awesome all the time. But I've continued to try and get clearer and clearer on my identity, right? And so again, this is specific to me as a Christian, as a, you know, in, in the roles that I live. So I went through and I laid out like in order you know, who I was. And so the top of that list is a Christian, which means that for me personally, I live my life as best as I possibly can in accordance with what God has called me to, right? Between he and I. Sure. Second to that, then is a husband. So then me to my wife. Third is that. Third then is me as a father. 
which people get those things backwards. And I'll say as plain as day, that if you are not first a husband to your wife, then you will never be the father to your children that you can be. Like that, that is an absolute. And parents all the time put their kids before their, their spouses. And I believe that that is a nasty, nasty mistake. So beyond that, number four, I'm a friend. Number five, I'm a pastor, right? So at, at number six, I'm an athlete, which just means that like I take care of my body and treat it that way. And number seven, I'm a business leader. And so if you listen even to those, those areas of identity, like they lay out for me the order in which I approach everything that I do. Like I will never, ever, ever, as best as I possibly can, compromise my relationship with God, even for my spouse, because my spouse comes after that, right? At the same time, I will never make a decision as a business leader that compromises my calling as a pastor, because, you know, uh, there's a specific role and calling there that I just won't compromise. And so I live within that. A big help to that is my wife. You know, so we're constantly talking about like the balance of our life. Um, I try and shut down every single day at six o'clock professionally, which means that most of the time, you know, then that the rest of that time is for my family. Um, we have a small church, so it's reasonably easy in terms of commitment versus, you know, thousands and thousands of people. But if I have to go meet with somebody in the middle of the week at night, I can do that. Um, there's a couple of us pastors will meet together uh, once a month during the week. Uh, I play on the worship team a little bit so I can go, um, I can go practice. So, but again, it's, it's all through the lens of like, where are my order of priorities? And then how do I behave as the result of that? So hopefully that that gives some clarity to that. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. See, and actually, this was a conversation that I recently had. Was told my pastor, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be a place where I can put God before my wife. He was just like, Give it a shot, man. <laughs> I was like, All right, man, I I'll trust you. So we actually kind of had that conversation. I my wife was like, What if we put God before our marriage? He's like, Um, okay. And definitely being a husband before a father is. I've always believed that the best thing a father can do for their children is to to love uh, their child's mother. So just a ton of great, uh, great insight and input there. You're you're now coaching and consulting and in that space. Before that, you were in the healthcare space and, and insurance brokerage. And uh, now you founded Fit Health because you found that it's just better for your family. Did you mind sharing a little bit about that? I know like the healthcare space is horrifying for me. And I imagine there's so many other fathers out there who are just intimidated by that space. So would you mind just sharing kind of how you've um, leveraged that experience to, to better provide for your family? Yeah. So um, I was uh, leading a sales team in a regional insurance brokerage firm here in Southern California. And we were approached by an outside organization that was offering an alternative to traditional health insurance, uh, similar to a lot of the large healthcare sharing ministries that are out there like MediShare, but uh, being able to offer it to employers and being able to offer it to people of all faiths, not just specifically to Christians or people that would lie on their statement of faith just to get a discount on health insurance. So, so we jumped into that environment and uh, we were immediately able to save a significant amount of money, about 40% off of what we were saving in the traditional health insurance world. And uh, we were able to dictate our own healthcare path, meaning we got to choose our doctors and, you know, our path to care. 
And so as I kept thinking about ways that I could better serve people uh, doing that same thing, I created this organization called Fit Health, which takes that healthcare sharing organization as its foundation to protect people against, against a large financial need, you know, medical need. And then I started wrapping other uh, services, partnerships around it because my wife and I CrossFit, we do our best to, you know, put the right things into our body. Not to say that I didn't eat Halloween candy, um, you know, on Halloween or, you know, whatever, but we're just trying to do the best we can. Because again, like I'm not, I'm not trying to just stay healthy for myself. Like I, I want, and my wife wants to be healthy for our kids and our grandkids and to be around for a long period of time. And it's a great way to teach our kids to do the same thing. So our kids aren't shoving a bunch of garbage into their bodies or just sitting around all day long. So we created this organization called Fit Health. And so now we're able to offer that same opportunity that I was given five years ago. We're now able to offer that opportunity to individuals and small businesses. And so it's been great because we're saving people again, 30, 40, 50% off of what they were spending on health insurance before. Um, and it's typically aligning a little bit better with what they're trying to do in terms of staying proactive with their health and not just being treated when they're sick. It's giving them opportunities to align with other really cool organizations in the health and fitness space. And so it's been a lot of fun and, and it's just, it's producing again, just a better overall experience as we continue to chase living the best life that we can. And we believe that God has called us. That's awesome. That's definitely a resource that I need to dig into more and and hopefully you know, the other fathers listening will dive into that as well. So I know I'm uh, a bit all over the place here with the conversation, but uh, recently you, you shared and what really kind of drew my attention to you was an experience that uh, your daughter had with, with water polo and how she rebounded from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was definitely a fun experience as a parent. Uh, they all are. Uh, and if you saw my face, you'd know that that was quite sarcastic. So my oldest daughter, she's 17. She'd been dancing up until she was 14, uh, went out for the high school dance team her freshman year, got injured a week before tryouts and did not have a great tryout and didn't make the team. So this big letdown for her, right? I mean, obviously when you're a kid, you don't make the team, especially when she was probably good enough to make it had she been healthy. It was just a really big blow to her confidence. So then she went out for the volleyball team uh, because we wanted her to stick with something. And she didn't make that team either because she had never played an organized sport ever. And volleyball, you know, she was just all over the place. So uh, the third option, we had a friend that was one of the swim coaches and said, hey, give her a tryout. And so she jumped in the pool and she swam so well from the get-go, which nobody knew where that came from because other than a pool in the backyard, she had never done anything like that. So she did that. She swam. She played water polo for her freshman, sophomore, junior year. And then her senior year, which is uh, what she's just entered into this year, as they were getting ready to start water polo season, she ended up finding out uh, that she was going to be on the JV team as a senior. And she flipped out. I mean, she just lost it, right? Typical 17-year-old, I throw a fit, ever the world is coming to an end, I quit, I'm not doing this crap anymore, yada, yada, yada. So we let that kind of marinate for about a month, um, just kind of trying to talk her through the common sense of that. She, she kept practicing because the decision had not been finally made yet. And then finally, um, about a month had gone by, and then her coaches uh, let her know that that was in fact going to happen. And so um, I was gearing up for this big conversation with her. 
And, you know, we always talk in this house, it's not about the outcomes you produce. It's about the effort that you put into whatever it is that you, you commit to. And you do your best to commit to the things that you've given your word to commit to. You know, we have a growth mindset. My little 10 year old is like the growth mindset queen in this house. And so, you know, we're, we're all always talking about those things. And so, you know, I had this whole speech for my 17 year old and she, she came to me and she said, dad, she goes, I have an idea. And I said, okay. I said, you know, what is that? I said, because I really don't think that you should, you know, quit altogether. And she said, well, she goes, I'm not going to quit. She goes, what I think that I'm going to do is she says, I'm going to step back from water polo because I'm really not that good at water polo. She goes, and I'm going to commit all of myself to swim, which isn't until the second season, the second half of the year. She goes, but I'm going to keep practicing with the water polo and swim team right now to try and get better. So that way I can finish my senior year really well. And I was like, wait, what did you just say? Like, <laughs> you know, there, there's no way. And so I'm like, well, how did you come to this conclusion? And she's, uh, she said, you know, I just, I really thought about what you had said and um, before, and, you know, they, it takes them like a month, right, to figure anything out. And, you know, I just, I thought about what you said, and my, my wife had had a great conversation with her, and same thing. And she just said, I just really feel like this is the best thing for me. She goes, I know that if I went down to the JV team, that I could be a leader for the younger kids, but I just don't feel like that's going to push me. And I, I know that I can commit to swim, and I can do a really good job. And so I'm like, that's amazing, babe. But like, you know, now what are you going to do? And she says, well, I'm going to go sit and talk to my coaches. And so she went and met one-on-one -on -one with each of the two coaches for the water polo team and sat them down and for 45 minutes talked to each of them individually through her whole thought process, the conclusion that she came to, why she came to it, how thankful she was for each of them. And she made both of them you know, cry as, as they were having this conversation. They have not just affirmed her decision, but were so blown away. They said that was the first time a student athlete had ever come and sat them down like that in a, in a crossroads like this. And like, I just, there's nothing else that I could have possibly ever asked for out of my daughter. Right. I mean, like most of us grownups don't make those types of decisions. I coach in organizations all the time in which I do everything I can to try and get adults to make those types of decisions. And they don't. And yet my daughter just had such a good head uh, you know, about, you know, the situation. And I believe that, you know, not only is it the best situation for her from an athletic perspective, but this was just a turning point from her as a human being and as a young woman that is going to carry her far into the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just like blown away hearing the story, thinking about myself, sophomore year getting cut from the basketball team and devastating I years to recover still haunts me yeah um, and I went on to become an intramural all-star I dominated um, <laughs> but yeah just super impressive so like not to put too much pressure on you but like what from what you done as a, a father and a parent like what would you attribute to her composure and ability to reach that that conclusion level of maturity at her age yeah so uh she's still immature in plenty of areas so, so don't let that one fool you right like we're, we're constantly having really ridiculous conversations and arguments over things that just blow my mind but in this specific situation you know i think that it was a combination of things i think that by you know it, it is who she she is inherently created to be like she is that way when she really takes a huge step back um, she is able to think through things pretty intelligently and so 
she needed that time. And so I think that that's just kind of a word of wisdom, right? To all of us parents is sometimes we need to give our kids the time and the space to think for themselves versus forcing them to make a decision uh, when we want them to make it. So I think that's really important. I think the second thing is, and, and I, I alluded to this earlier. So in my house, we don't celebrate grades. Definitely, if we, if we see D's and, D's and F's on report cards, we're going to have conversations about that because we just don't believe that that's ever acceptable. Uh, but it's only not acceptable because of what I'm going to say next, which is we don't celebrate grades because we talk only about effort in this house. And, and that's through me reading book after book after book, just to grow and develop myself, you know, around this idea of, you know, we, we can't control the outcomes in our life really ever, but we can control every bit of effort that we contribute to the things that we're doing in this life. And so as I've learned and grown through that, you know, uh, over my uh, lifespan so far, those are the things that I want to instill into my kids. So when they come home with a less than stellar grade, we talk through that. Like, okay, so so what did that look like? Did did you did you try as hard as you could? Well, yeah, dad, I did. Okay, but I see that you missed three assignments. You know, so you didn't give it all your effort because, you know, you didn't even turn these in. And so, you know, we're able to identify kind of like the leading indicators for why things are are or are not going the way that we would hope them to. And so, you know, we try not to punish based on outcome. Again, it's effort. And so there's been times, again, the same adult, or the same older daughter, like she struggles in math as a subject. And her sophomore year, like a C was the best thing that she was going to get in just the basic sophomore level math. And, and we had to accept that, right? Like we just had to talk through, like, we are not we're not going to punish you. We're not going to come down on you. Like this is the best that you can do. And so by demonstrating our commitment to reward uh, and, and even to punish on effort and not on outcome, I think it allows our kids the freedom to kind of test the waters and to, to think through these things for themselves versus just the fear of in this situation, like I did or did not make the team, right? Because at the end of the day, who really cares what team you're on? And who really cares what position you hold? And who really cares what championship you win? Like none of those things are going to be remembered five years from now anyway. And so we're trying to help her, you know, our, both of our kids understand that it's like, it, it is the experience and it's the growth in the midst of it that is going to propel us into where we want to go. And so I think that as we've laid that, as we have laid that foundation as parents, I think that is producing in, in times like this, really great results. Again, other times, you know, I can't get the kid to clean up her room or do her laundry on a weekly basis for the life of her, right? And and that's just zero effort right there. And she just doesn't seem to listen. So, you know, we're, we're doing our best. Again, it's, it is the foundation. And it's just continuing to reinforce it and not letting ourselves slip back into it. Oh, and the other thing, by the way, I know this was a long answer, but the other thing is, is then that means for us as adults in the house, we need to set the same standard for ourselves. And that's really, really hard, right? Because when we fail at something, if we lose our mind, throw a fit, just can't get out of bed because we have failed as an adult, then that shows my kid that I'm a hypocrite. Because to my kid, I'm telling them it's all about effort. And to me, it's all about result. And mm -hmm. so we've got to have that same example set for our kids. So in my business, like when I, when I win a new client, we as a family celebrate, but we celebrate all the work 
that God has done in me to bring me to this place, the opportunity that's present, been presented, the way in which we're living the way that we are to put ourselves out there to attract clients to my business and to myself. That's how we celebrate. In the gym, right? When we do something well, when we achieve a, a heavy uh, weightlifting lift or accomplish a good time in a workout, like, yes, it's great that we did that. But the only reason we were able to accomplish that is because we have been practicing or we've been committing or we've been working hard on a day in and day out basis. So we're celebrating our effort, not our output. That's a really profound answer. Really powerful. I appreciate you diving into the academic side. I'm way too far ahead of myself because I was a terrible student and have vivid memories of going round and round with my dad every grade report. And it's just yep. been like racking my mind about, all right, what am I going to do to to ensure that Claire is, is, is hitting the mark academically and you know, setting that foundation for, for effort versus outcome. It's daunting and I, I'm sure has some challenges, you know, in application when, when you do see the, the outcome is not as expected. Yeah. So, so, so here, here's something else, you know, pretty practical, right? And this is very counterintuitive to me as a coach, but this is something that I've, I've, I've even had a mindset shift this year. So at the beginning of 2019, I decided that I was going to set zero goals. This is the first time in, in more than 10 years that I didn't have any goals written down on a piece of paper, January 1st, 2019, and that I would hold myself accountable to. And what I decided to do instead was I was going to think through who I wanted to be, right? Who am I and who do I want to be? So thinking about those identity things I talked about earlier, I decided instead that I was going to create what turned into 10 habits that I was going to execute on, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, however they were. And that, if I did that, that would produce the person that I want to be. And it would naturally create these outcomes that I would have potentially set as goals at some time down the line. And so I worked through that exercise and I've shared it with my family over and over again. I share it with all my clients. And again, so counterintuitive, right? Because people come to me and they have goals or they want to achieve goals. And I'm like, Hey, I threw all my goals out this year. <laughs> and yet we're 10 months into the year coming up now on month 11. And I will say beyond a shadow of a doubt, without question, I am living the most fulfilled I have ever lived in my entire life. That's not to say that I don't deal with bouts of anxiety and stress and I haven't despised certain days at certain times and I don't get frustrated and I don't argue with my, um, I don't argue with my spouse. So I guess argue with my kids that I don't like have contentious conversation with clients. All of those things still happen, but I'm no longer chasing a finish line. Now I'm just continuing to reset back to these 10 habits that will help me to continue to be fulfilled in all of the different areas that I feel that I'm called to. That's kind of a startling, but also really profound. I'm super curious as to what those 10 habits are. Right. So the first one is I read every day, my Bible first, quick current events, and then books that help me become a better Christian, husband, father, coach, or consultant. So that's in the morning. Before I get up, I mean, as soon as I get up um, out of bed, I make coffee and then I read and I read in that order. I do not pick up my phone for social media to check notifications, emails, nothing. It's literally Bible. Maybe that's three verses. Maybe that's a whole chapter, whatever. And then so on. So that's number one. 
Number two, and there's an order to these on purpose by, this, by the way as well. Number two, I work out at least five days a week. I focus first on health, then improvement, and last achievement. My third habit is I sleep a minimum of seven hours a night. This is the first time in my life that I've focused on sleep uh, as much as I have, and it has had insane positive effects on just my life as a whole. Number four, uh, I'm not doing a good job in this one, is I meditate 10 minutes per week. That's literally just sitting in silence. I'm not doing a good job there, and I'm actually reading a book on stillness right now to try and help me with that one. Number five, I make good food choices, so I don't restrict anything, but I limit sugar, junk food, and alcohol as best as possible. Uh, number six is I date my wife at least twice per month. So that's just she and I, nobody else going out on a date together. I save or invest a specific amount of money every single month or a minimum amount, amount of money every single month. I give a minimum amount of money every single month to our church and to other organizations that I support. Number nine is I create high value content five days per week for business owners and salespeople. And then number 10 is I invest in myself through personal and professional development. So those are my 10 habits. And those are the things that I continue to go back to on a day in and day out basis. That's awesome. Do you have, like you mentioned number four was kind of a struggle. Any other times where like it's a struggle to meet those and what do you do in those moments to like you said get yourself back to those habits yeah so uh so number one is a brutal one right like to get up and not check my phone uh -huh. um is is terrible and so i forcefully try and ignore it i go to my tablet first that i read from if i get into a really bad way sometimes i'll just make sure i pick up a paper bible before i do anything else so, you know, so that, that's one that can be a really big challenge uh, at times for me. Um, the workout's pretty easy. I'm consistent there. To be very honest with you, other than that one and then the one around just silence, which I just suck at sitting in silence, I just, the rest of them, they're, they're just who I am. Again, like yeah. if I created these habits because I went out and read a book and I heard what somebody else said were good habits to have. And then I just took those and inserted them into my day, daily life. I've blown it because those habits don't support me. I first had to become extremely self-aware, which is something that I've been doing for the last 20 years professionally, you know, which, which then helps personally. It, I have to understand who I am, right? That those seven things that I said are kind of wrapped around my identity. I have to understand the priority of those things. Like all of that work, like we, we always are, are, are like, okay, well, how am I going to get to the next thing, to the next level, to the next accomplishment, to the next income, whatever. And so we, we set goals, we create habits, we do all these things that, that often are at odds with who we are as individuals. And it's because we don't want to take the time to do the work necessary to lay the foundation. It's like, uh, you know, biblically, they, you know, the, uh, there's a similar story, but like nobody's stupid enough to build a house on, you know, on a dune. They just know that that thing is going to blow away as soon as the wind comes up, right? No foundation. You want to build that house on solid rock. And so I need to lay and we need to lay foundations for ourselves that are solid. And the only foundation that we will create that is solid is one that is birthed in who we are as individual, unique people. If we try and do anything else because some guru or influencer told us we had to, we've blown it. And we will spend the rest of our life 
discontent with who we are. I'm like sitting here like, oh, I really want to do all these things. And now I'm like second guessing like, oh my gosh, should I be doing any of those things? But I know that there are definitely things from that list that I can take and better incorporate into my life and things that um, just maybe aren't as congruent with who I am so that I need to acknowledge like that works for Ryan Miller. It doesn't work for Ryan Sullivan. Um, Two Ryans, slightly different. Yep. (laughs) Well, this has been just an absolutely awesome conversation. Um, any last words of advice for the fathers out there? Oh man. Um, yeah, you don't have it together. You won't have it together. You need a lot of support. You need good friends that are supportive of their wives that are supportive of their children that have some sort of balance to their life that have some sort of foundation set for themselves. And then you just need to make sure that you are regularly publicly talking through the good and the bad of your everyday life. And if you're willing to do that, you will become the best leader that your wife and kids could have ever possibly asked for. That's so good. Cutting, but really good. So Ryan, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, um, learn more about you, what's the best way to do that? So I have a lot of fun on social media. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at RJM Sales pro i'm on linkedin at the same name so at rjm sales pro or you can just look up ryan james miller uh, my website's ryanjamesmiller.com and for any of you youthful parents out there i just uh started a tiktok account and i've been messing around with my kids on there and if you're on tiktok that's at rjm sales pro and who knows you may just catch me dancing or doing something really stupid but i like to have a lot of fun so those are good ways Awesome. Cool. And we'll post all of those in the show notes. Cool. Um, I'm still not sure on TikTok. I got to make, <laughs> make my way over there and see what it's about. Yeah, it's probably worth at least at least scoping out. Well, thanks again so much for joining us today. It's been fantastic. Awesome, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fatherhood on Fire with Ryan Miller. I'm your host, Ryan Sullivan. I loved Ryan's conviction the practical steps and encouragement that he gives us to seek out our own unique individual identity and put some habits into place that bring us closer to fulfilling that identity on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. Thanks again for joining us along this journey. Be sure to subscribe wherever to Fatherhood on Fire and help us celebrate, elevate, and encourage more fathers and men by leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week. Love your family, love yourselves, spread the fire. In fatherhood, I'm Ryan Sullivan.